You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. I am so glad to be here with you today, a big day in the life of the church. And Julie is doing her job. She's waving those hands back there. This is the time when any children that are here today, if you would can and want to go back with Julie this morning and have a time with her as we celebrate this day together and prepare ourselves to proclaim the word. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the baptism of the Lord, baptism of the Lord Sunday. We have um, walked into this day and we're going to look at that through the, through the lens of Mark, Mark 1, uh, 4 through 11 this morning. So read along with me on the screen. It'll be up here for you here in this sanctuary and for you online worshiping with us this morning. Good morning. And so let's read along and let's read about uh, Mark's accounting of Jesus' baptism. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one, he proclaimed this, he said, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this morning, I feel like, you know, we could go ahead and we could pack up and we could leave because after those first two songs, uh, Wade in the Water and Baptizer, JB, thank you, uh, that we've had our sermon today. It was beautiful, amazing opening to worship this morning. And Juliet, yes, thank you for joining us and happy birthday. You know, we've, we've had a great morning already after having such a tumultuous week we had the pleasure and the privilege this morning of baptizing not one but two uh, little children. Uh, now, Abby Ward is the mom of them, and nothing in my life will allow me to remember her married name this morning, but there you go. Uh, she went to school with my son, and so we had a little bit of a reunion this morning, and now they have, she and her husband and their two children have become the newest members of the church. And so what a great celebration today, and what a great day to have that happen on this day that we talk about the baptism of the Lord. We had the first uh, Sunday, or Epiphany Sunday, pardon me, last week, Matt talked about that Epiphany that Greek word that's taken into the English language, it means kind of the same thing. So we call it a loan word in our, in our I don't know, in our English language. And it, the Webster's Dictionary says an epiphany is this, says it's a, an unusual sudden manifestation or perception of an essential nature or meaning of something. It's an intuitive grasp of reality through something like an event, simple or sometimes a striking event. It's an illuminating discovery. It's a realization or a disclosure. 
And so during this season of Epiphany, we're going to be looking at several ways in which the arrival, the identity, the mission of Jesus were manifested and made known to us and to the world. And so today and, and through these next week, as Matt begins his sermon series on Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth that's what we're going to be talking about, all of these kind of fundamentals of our faith. A uh, couple of Sundays ago, or just through the season of Advent, I'm not sure exactly which Sunday it was, Matt spoke about those wise men. You all know that day, we know it, that day when the three wise men came and from the east offering their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And just for just a quick moment, I just wanted to just kind of just mention just a few things about that, just to feed into what we'll talk about today. First, these three wise men, uh, they, they weren't three wise guys, they were actually three wise men, but they were astrologers, and we, we, we kind of know that. We sometimes forget it because we sing about them, and we call them kings, and we call them magi. But they were astrologers nonetheless. They were pr practitioners of a religion that's called Zoroastrianism. It's uh, out of Persia, and it sounds like they should be wearing like a, a black mask on their eyes and riding a horse rather than a, a camel. <laughs> but that's, that's what they practiced, and they believed in a universal, transcendent, all-good, uncreated, supreme being, but they called him Ahuru Mazda, it's not our God, but that is the deity that they worship. And it's the oldest, one of the world's oldest continuously practiced religions. Now, that's just a little side note. That's just FYI. You know, but they did travel from the east, likely Persia, and that is what we would know now of modern, as modern-day Iran. And so they came following that star to worship a newborn king of the Jews. And so I say all this to say, just to remind you, when you consider these wise men and what their religious practices were, that God reaches out to people, whoever they are, wherever they are, however he can, to lead them to the truth. And sometimes even those whom God reaches out to don't fully grasp the fullness of what they have been called to or found. And I doubt that these three wise men really had a full grasp on what this little child or who this little child was that they were going to pay homage to. But nevertheless, God reaches out and he does it to you. He does it to me, to our families, to our friends, to Christians, to non-Christians. He calls us all, calling all of us to worship the King. So God is always calling. Sometimes people just don't realize who's doing the calling. We need to be mindful of that. I think so often we need to remember that sometimes at the right times we will help someone else understand in ways that maybe they can hear and accept who really is doing the calling and maybe what exactly maybe they're being called to. So today we come to the baptism of the Lord and it's an event central to the establishment of that reign. I think it's a great time to be talking about this fundamental truth in our life when we think about this last week that we have rolled through. Sometimes we do need to step back to just these fundamental things of our faith to just help carry us through these very huge and crazy circumstances that are happening in our life. And when Jesus came to John the Baptist to receive his baptism, his baptism by John at that time marked the beginning of his ministry here on earth. So I just, with that said, I just want to make sure we note it and just say it out loud. I think you know it. That Jesus had no need to be baptized. 
though he was fully human, and he was, sharing in all of our woes, all of our suffering, make no mistake, he had never sinned, nor was he even born with original sin as we are, that, that proclivity, that inclination towards sin that humans have. So for our sake, Jesus submitted himself to the outward act of John's baptism in the Jordan River. That baptism that John, John the Baptist was proclaiming was for the purpose of repentance and forgiveness of sins. When he did this for us, he was submitting himself to this outward act. He did a couple of things for us. Number one, he gave us, who are indeed sinful, those of us, who make mistakes, he gave us an example that we can follow. Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Turn from your sins, repent, and return to the Lord. In submitting to the baptism, Jesus is telling us that John had it right. And we need to listen to what he is saying. And secondly, and perhaps more profoundly, by submitting to the outward act of baptism, Jesus firmly confirmed the nearness of God in our lives. And in doing so, in submitting to the baptism of John, Jesus firmly plants a flag and declares that the kingdom of God is now being established right here on earth. And with the establishment of that kingdom, Jesus is leading at this point the charge out of our captivity to sin and out of the kingdom of death. And so that life that, that we've received in our baptism is a life that just no longer enslaves us to sin. We're no longer hopelessly and helplessly caught up in the failures of our lives, our sins, our transgressions, our mistakes. But we are established in the new life in Christ, eternal life with him. And you know, Jesus leading the charge out of death into eternal life. I love that image, that wonderful image, that quality of life which far surpasses all of our understandings probably. And I think, I just, I love this image so much, I think because it is full of energy and it's a wonderful way to capture the struggle that we face as we make this journey to eternal life, this pilgrimage to God, if you will. You see, baptism, our baptism that we undertook, or our parents undertook for us this morning, like Abby and her family did today, so many years ago, and, you know, it transferred us from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of life, you know, but I'm reminded of the events of my own life as I talk about all of this by my own struggles, my struggles with sin. Even now, I've, I've been baptized. I told him this morning, so three times, you know, but really one time, and then I reaffirmed my baptism. I was baptized in high school and then reaffirmed it later when I kind of understood Jesus a little bit more. And then 2012, my first visit to Israel, stood on the banks of that Jordan River and just felt such a need to just go into that water and be baptized, rebaptized one more time in the places where I knew that Christ and so many had gone ahead of me. So I'm a firm believer, one who has been given the grace to believe the gospel. But I struggle with sin and indeed, it seems that I'm haunted some days in the ways of that old life that I remember, those temptations that I've had. And so along, and although we are baptized, although we are regenerated, if you will, into new life by the Holy Spirit in baptism, we're marked by Christ's own. We're marked that way forever, but we still need to grow in our faith and our love, and that's why I kind of made that second kind of profession in my baptism, because I had grown in my faith. 
You know, it does not come to us always, at least I can say this for myself, all at one time, all of that knowledge that we need to have. And I don't think we'll ever quit learning until that day that we meet Jesus in heaven, but we need to grow into that new life that we've been given through baptism, and we need to become, as John Wesley would say, or implore us, you know, we need to mature in our faith as we're walking towards that perfection. You know, Jesus doesn't erase our memories of our past. He just doesn't do that. But as we mature, as past sins and mistakes, they can compel us by the knowledge of them to offer grace to others and love with perhaps a deeper understanding. We can reframe those memories into learning points that allow us to have grace with others and grace with ourselves. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, it says, using the covenant we forge with God in our outward act of baptism and through our faith. You know, there's a great book that I read and highly recommend it's called by the water and the spirit so much everything I said this morning, everything you need to know about baptism right here in this book it's a great study and as I pulled some things out of it about just regarding this covenant that we make you know both the old and the new testament come it well testament comes from that latin word it can be translated into covenant so both the old and the new testament God just enters into covenant relationship with God's people a covenant involves promises and responsibilities on both parties right so the old testament is the story of the old covenant the covenant between God and Israel and we know and have heard the effects of that human sinfulness proved over and over again so strong for the people that they were just unable to keep their side of the covenant and so some prophets realized that the very nature of human beings had to be changed. And, and so if there was ever, ever going to be able to, uh, to have an opportunity to live faithfully in covenant relationship with God. And so the prophets spoke of a future time when God would act decisively to make this possible in the new covenant with God's people. Enter Jesus Christ. You know, Christians believe, we believe, this promised new covenant was established by life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ himself makes this explicit when he speaks of the wine at the Last Supper as symbolizing the new covenant of my blood. That's the one in Luke twenty-two twenty. Throughout the history of the church, baptism has been understood as a sign of the new covenant. Baptism is the ceremony that identifies people of all ages as participants in this covenant between God and humankind. Baptism is also called, and this is out of our book of discipline. Sorry, it's just a little academic moment here. Out of our book of discipline is called, our baptism is called our ordination into the general ministry of the church. The book of discipline says this. It says, all Christians are called to minister wherever Christ would have them serve and witness in deeds and words that heal and free. This ministry of all Christians in Christ's name and spirit is both a gift and it's a task. The gift is God's unmerited grace and the task is unstinting service, generous, bountiful, open-handed, unstinting service. So in baptism, the church declares that it's bound in covenant to God through baptism, new persons are initiated into that covenant, and the covenant connects God, it connects this community of faith, 
and the persons being baptized, all three are essential to the fulfillment of the baptismal covenant. That's why when, when Matt baptizes, he will ask them questions and he will ask you to answer questions, tying us all together. The faithful grace of God initiates the covenant relationship and enables the community, all of us, and the person to respond with faith. Faith. You know, just doing that, responding in faith is a struggle, right? And that is why I really like the image of Jesus submitting to baptism in the Jordan River as him leading that charge out of death into life. And, you know, we face and will face the whole entire length of our life on earth, the need to struggle against temptation and sin. You know, that fight, it is a real one, and we're called to face that and to fight that and to have faith that God is with us in that. But sometimes that fight is hard and it hurts terribly. I was reading one of my commentaries and was talking about that and how, you know, why does it hurt so much? You know, and so as much as we may like, or well, I should say may not like, you know, Paul said, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? You know, we do the same thing. I th well, I do. You know, and as much as we may not like the things that we do wrong, and as much as it, as we may be uneasy about some of our kind of habitual sins, you know, we've learned to live with them in life, haven't we? We've learned to compensate for them, to work them into our days, to, well, kind of gloss over them sometimes. And so, like learning to compensate for that old football injury by putting more weight on the other foot when we walk, we learn to compensate, to accommodate for the sins in our lives, and we learn to live with and around them. The problem with that, of course, he says, and this was his comment, the problem with that, of course, is when we learn to live with them or live around them, we continue to live in them. And Jesus is calling us out of them into his new eternal everlasting life transitioning from this old world to the new life in Christ it's a tough road but in his baptism by submitting to baptism Jesus tells us that he is right there with us he doesn't need to be here for his own sake but he's there for ours so that we might by his grace and by his strength, by his love, and by his help, attain the fullness of life which has been promised by our Heavenly Father. Today, we celebrate the baptism of Jesus, and we're called to remember our baptism. Jesus identified with us in our baptism, and he led the way, and he leads the way still. He is there for us in the trenches fighting the good fight of faith right along with us as we seek to enter the kingdom of his Father and our Father, of his God and our God, who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Jesus, in your baptism, you firmly planted a flag and declared that the kingdom of God is now being established here on earth. And with the establishment of that kingdom, you lead the charge. You lead us out of our captivity. 
That life that we have received in our baptism is a life which is no longer enslaved to sin. We are no longer hopelessly and helplessly caught up in the failures of our lives, our sins, our transgressions, or our mistakes. But we are now established in the new life in Christ, eternal life with him. God of all wilderness wanderers, you sent John to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, your beloved son. Pour out your spirit upon us so that we, like John, that we may proclaim the time to turn from sinfulness and the good news of your grace through Christ, the water of life. Amen.